Hello, and welcome back to the Stafford Beer Brain of the Firm Reading Group with General Intellect Unit. Uh, today, we are finishing off Chapter 19. Uh, we are at the rather depressing section, The End of the Peaceful Road. Uh, so this is the final section of Chapter 19. The situation was still deteriorating. As the months went on, the mounting pressures were tangible in the atmosphere of the Santiago streets. The core group was also completely alert to the foreign activity that meant that the government could not survive for much longer, and certainly not into 1974. Let it be clear that this was understood by all of us, as I am sure that it was by Allende himself. But it was April still, and the paper I had just written would provoke a response. The immediate facts of the cybernetic activity were these. The Troika, that is to say the threesome team, was already inoperative as such. Raul Espeo was running Project Cybersyn, which was still precisely on course. Enrique Farne was much preoccupied with his automotive sector. Hermann Schwemer had moved from copper to be general secretary of the agro-industrial sector. Fernando Flores himself was preparing for a crucial meeting of the Latin American finance ministers in Jamaica. I was spending a lot of time, but separately, with each of them. There was really nothing that I could do personally to further the cause of either Project Cybersyn or of the People Project. Cybersyn had by now a professional and politically uncommitted staff of some 70 people, and it was very much part of the changed Corfo that Flores, uh, excuse me, that Flores had completely left behind. Twice, the official there, who was now playing a central role in further planning, avoided meeting me. Also by now, the People Project had entirely embraced and was totally absorbed by political realities of, of such potency that it was no longer even decorous to speak of cybernetic formalism in its regard, even in my solitude. But externality certainly remained, uh, this being the document that Beer wrote earlier. And in May, I returned to Europe in pursuit of those economic potentialities in which I still believed. Might there yet be sufficient time? Many issues were ostensibly poised for action over there. They awaited the delivery of letters of authorization from the various government agencies concerned with minerals, with wine, and with fish. It was on the eve of my flight that I discovered that I should have to go without the letters. And, uh, excuse me, also I discovered the ironic cybernetic reason for that. Mention was made in the last section of the role of corruption in these Chilean and internationally comparable circumstances. The variety of corruption had proliferated in many agencies. Obviously, the variety of corrupt acts is far greater than the variety of incorrupt acts, since corruption recognizes no boundary. Then suppose that you are an incorruptible president facing such a variety proliferation of corruption. You do not have the requisite variety to hold that situation, and you must therefore attenuate it. Allende's solution had been to declare that general abuses had amounted to a public scandal and that in future all international trading decisions were to be in the hands of one man. This man's reputation was inviolate. 
He was the head of, interna- of the International Trading Office. He was upright. He was scrupulous. And he was known to be so by all. Then that is fine so far as it goes. But if everything has to pass through a one-man filter, we may be short of time. Secondly, and naturally enough, most of what time there had been was absorbed because the filter was undertaking his own negotiations abroad. Thirdly, those negotiations had created a protocol which was highly desirable, uh, but it was not a protocol that left its negotiator disinclined to countenance international agreements that were not passed through the international establishment. Uh, Oh, sorry. But it was a protocol that left its negotiator disinclined to countenance international agreements that were not passed through the international establishment. And here with a capital E establishment. My propositions were not of this kind. The Minister of Finance could intervene in that situation, and he did. But still the letters of authorization did not arrive in time. And it is easy to understand why they did not. Corrupt variety proliferation had been designedly attenuated to near zero via an incorrupt low variety filter. Then high variety incorrupt amplifiers were needed after that phase to restore requisite variety. The people who were needed were there and I was dealing with them. They had the will and the imagination to act. They did not yet have the constitutional means. And this was probably because they did not have the sectarian clout, even with ministerial support. The requisite variety equation was never to balance, and the European trip in May 1973 was inevitably a failure in its absence, although I tried. Should I have gone in May, and should I have returned in June? Opponents of Unidad Popular and even technocrats within our own part of the governmental machine wanted me to go and not to return. I was a real nuisance, and they made this evident. Because they made this evident, and because of mounting public attention, there were also personal friends who wanted me to go and not to return, because they thought I had run into too much personal danger. The core group around the minister, whom I knew also to be personal friends, resolved the problem by suggesting that I both go and return, but return surreptitiously to a cottage on the Pacific coast away from Santiago. This idea I immediately accepted. The arrangements went ahead. Fernando Flores himself found the idea tiresome. Because of a number of international developments, he strongly urged me to stay close to him in Santiago. Certainly, there would be no desertion, but it was necessary to interpret what close ought to mean. It was important not to embarrass him in the public eye. In the event, I was anonymously in a cottage by the shore at Las Cruces during what was to prove the final visit to Chile during June and July of 1973. It was a good solution. Few people realized that I was in the country at all. But all necessary meetings were held. The movements took place between several cities, whether by me or by others, at night. All right, so who has something to say about this section here? Shane, go ahead. Um, I, I kind of, I like this this kind of notion of like corruption as a kind of entropy, right? That like it's, um, it's, it's higher variety than you are and it's throwing noise into the mix. 
Um, and then this response of passing all of that through a, to a trusted but low variety filter in a single point of failure seems to then have this, this like classic problem of like trying to lock something down, but then you need more compensatory variety on the other side to try and catch up to what you just lost, um, which so, sort of always seems to be a losing proposition. It's, it's, always the, it's, it's always the kind of solution that we try to go for, right? It's like, oh, there's too much shit going on here. I'm just, we're going we're gonna to lock it down. We're going to have one, one person who's in charge of this, and yada, yada, yada. It's going to be one procedure and that kind of thing. But you're, you're all, you've already lost by that point. You're kind of already on the back foot um, in the face of that kind of like advancing threat, which I find very interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the answer is because you certainly can't just leave the corruption be. Uh, you can't really try to address it one by one because it already has too much variety, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so you need I mean, a high variety solution or some kind of attenuation, right? I, sus I suspect, yeah, you would, you would need to have already had like some success building social structures that were resistant to this kind of thing. Like the, the thing that's always echoing in the back of my head with this whole thing is that this is a, like a, a minority government mm -hmm. in, in a, um, in a like constitutional parliamentary sort of system that doesn't seem to have as much of a ground presence and as much of a like mass popular uh, support as it, as it needs to actually carry out these things. Mm -hmm. So many of these problems that we see in these chapters melt away when you have real popular support, like in real grassroots ground up sort of stuff. They're big problems when you have government ministries that are trying to do things from the top down. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe this is really the proof of it all is that like the variety equation can't balance in, in the department of finance. It just, it, it, you, you kind of just can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there certainly has to be a degree of self-policing by uh, groups in order to avoid corruption because um, it can't all be done from the central office. Uh, okay, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I guess like I, I kind of just have like a question, I guess, which is just that, you know, he mentions that like everything having to pass through like a, a one man filter is is something that would like reduce the actual variety of that like what they can handle or not handle what they can like do i guess um maybe i'm misreading that but like so you know and he talks about an earlier chapter about like the multi-node as a replacement for like a single like person at the top controlling everything um or like through which ultimately like the buck stops with that one person versus like stopping at this multi-node that consists of multiple people who uh, figure it out kind of among themselves in whatever special way. And, um, but then, you know, in this, he says that they're like, because everything has to pass a one man filter, we might be short on time. Like, is he, is he saying that, and maybe this is something that he gets into the next, in the next chapter, which I, I started reading, but I haven't finished. Um, is he, is he saying that like in like crisis, crisis situations, like they were in, in Chile that like having, a multi-node would like speed up the time that they can respond to things like versus having this single person that wouldn't allow them to like wouldn't allow the system or the government in this case to respond as quickly um, um yeah i mean i think that makes sense because essentially the problem they're having there is like 
one person was dealing with all foreign trade deals mm. and like presumably their staff. Right. And and it's kind of like you have to work through these things in a serial process. Um, and that's going to be slow because reviewing an international trade deal, making sure that everything is on the up and up is a lot of work. Uh, right. So if you had a kind of multi-node, then it could, you know, be maybe more like, oh, well, this person's in charge of Asia Pacific. This person's in charge of, you know, Middle and Near East and, and so on and so on. And you could kind of do the work in parallel and that would speed things up naturally. Right. Um, hmm. So I think, yeah, maybe what Beer is alluding to is like this, this incorruptible trade official needed a more robust and sort of multinodal office to do their job properly. Um, right. Right. And I, I, it's, it's good. Like he, and then he like mentioned shortly after that, that like it just turned, it just created a protocol where it was basically like, just do what the establishment like ostensibly wants. Like just the simpler, easier, already known answer of like, well, this thing upholds the status quo broadly so it therefore becomes the like rule of thumb that you don't have to then put through any committee or put through any decision making process or like information filtering process really it's or at least also, not, a, not a, uh, a sharp one it's yeah. also the case that like the establishment figures abroad are going to attenuate variety for you because they're right. connected and they can be like you know i remember back in the 90s uh like jean chrétien the the Canadian prime minister uh, had his uh, team Canada trade mission that he took to China. And so like he organized a whole bunch of business people, uh, put them all in uniforms and took them over to China. And, you know, that was basically to attenuate variety for the Chinese, like basically bring over this group that says, this is the Canadian economy. Here's how you can interact with us. Uh, and I think that that's one reason why this person might have worked with the establishment instead of doing these kind of like lower level trade deals that beer was trying to set up by like, you know, speaking to specific people in Europe. Um, like he was trying to do that job for the government, but they were kind of just in this very lockdown I'm only interested in speaking to other trade ministers perspective. Um, uh, Shane, go ahead. Yeah. Just one kind of final thought on all that is I think this, this, um, this, this, this like single node will have very little creativity and very little kind of like inventive kind of responses. Whereas beer, beer had very inventive kind of responses to these problems and his, 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 his solutions were to like scuttle around in his personal networks and figure out like, kind of odd deals like really by, by like they're not by the books kind of deals but like they're they're, they're there they're, they're getting there right whereas the the single guy from um of the, of the establishment is is only going to kind of play by the books and only has the capacity to really whereas a multi-node of people um on that task has more creative capacity to figure out better solutions so it's not it's not just that you get less in terms of quantity with a um, with a kind of single point of failure like that, you get less in terms of quality as well. There's they're 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 not cap those those kind of like single nodes are not capable of the same kind of creativity and variety that a multi node is. They're also not capable of the same capacity. Uh, so you kind of lose in two dimensions by collapsing into this one node. 
Right, right. All right. Um, so, on the way to Chile for this last assignment, I was in transit on the last airliner to land at Buenos Aires before the airport was closed to await the ultimate return of President Juan Perón to Argentina. There were two million people around the airport. Uh, because of no, uh, because excuse me, because of serious threats, his plane was diverted to a military base. Even so, a gun battle broke out. The southern tip of Latin America was clearly in a tempestuous condition, and yet none of our scenarios for Chile, all of which foresaw the end of the government, most of which foresaw the loss of political freedom, which a period of military rule entails and most of which were extremely accurate in evaluating the intentions and involvement of the United States, as Congress subsequently established these in public hearings, uh, none of them foresaw the massive bloodshed and absolute oppression that was to come. The Chilean military gave the appearance of upholding the Constitution against all comers, of whatever political complexion, since, in addition, the commander-in-chief, General Prats was a staunch ally and personal friend of Allende, it was all too easy to be misled. But he himself faced the gravest difficulties. On the 28th of June, his car was cornered in the public street. No armed attack was made, but the circumstances seemed to have been arranged to mimic the assassination of his predecessor, General Schneider. Perhaps the incident was meant to intimidate him prior to the mutiny of a tank regiment which began the next day and appeared to herald civil war. Santiago was cleared, and my log says, went into use as a firing range. Sixteen offices in the presidential palace were shot up, and holes were blown in the Ministry of Defense building. But no one else joined the mutiny, and the tank commander concerned was personally disarmed by General Pratt's. This produced euphoria among government supporters. But it was the beginning of the end. Pratt's shortly resigned after the coup. He went into exile in Argentina, where he was later murdered. Throughout these months, the cybernetic core group were trying to assimilate and to understand the events through which we were living, and to incorporate the lessons in an adaptation of the political theory that had inspired the Chilean experiment which Allende had led. So, Marxism, probably. Uh, what else could we have done with the insights and tools of cybernetics than what we had done? And what plans could be made while there was yet the time to plan for the range of possible futures? It seemed to me that much that was internally amiss could be accounted for in terms of the pathological, excuse me, the pathological autopoiesis of the viable system, and could therefore be put right by proper diagnosis and prescription. Therefore, I began the construction of a whole new theory of social cybernetics based on this proposition. It is still under development. As far as attack from outside is concerned, however, there is no way in which poor countries can protect themselves against rich ones if the latter have a mind to suppress them. This has always been the case and will remain so unless the problem can be tackled successfully at the next level of recursion. It would mean the cybernetic design of a so-called United Nations that is already so far gone in pathological autopoieses that such a proposal cannot even be mute in excuse me, cannot even be mooted. At the end of July, there were strong political currents felt around Corfo and Project Cybersyn. Several strange messages meet, reached me at the coast. 
They were coming from the political opposition. It seemed that this was the best project undertaken under Allende's aegis, and that his self-assumed successor would continue it in his own way. This way would not, of course, involve any nonsense about worker participation. I found these excuse me, I found these overtures obnoxious, but our strategies were well prepared. However, these stirrings came to me, excuse me, however, these stirrings came to the ears of the president. He sent a car to the coast to fetch me to Santiago. While waiting in his outer office, I discussed this military situation at length with the ADC on duty, Arturo Araya, a captain in the Chilean Navy. He was assassinated that very night. Loyalty to the Constitution was becoming less possible, excuse me, was becoming less possibly daily for even the best of servicemen. The compañero presidente was tired and harassed. He interrogated me closely about the new currents surrounding Cybersyn, and I told him all that I could. Certainly, there were many people involved who did not subscribe to industrial democracy as we had planned it. He asked me whether I had anything to ask of him. I said yes. In view of the confusion being generated around the project, would he tell me quite directly the extent to which he expected worker control of the social economy? He replied, El Maximo. During August, a second attempt to bring down the government by Glimio action was made. Having successfully endured the experience of October 1972, my associates knew what they must do. Two special purpose operations rooms were constructed and connected to the network of communications through the country which Cybernet embodied. Filtration systems were set up for the spate of messages, and cabinet ministers and senior industrial managers dealt with them in real time. Raul Espeo has recorded that during this period, between 10 and 30% of the normal lorry fleet was in operation. But thanks to the 24-hour-a-day management of distribution, the levels of fuel and essential food that were normal in the country before the strike were maintained. State enterprises playing a strategic role in the economy received their normal supplies of raw materials. If all this sounds an impossibility, it must be recalled that transportation systems are highly redundant. Think of parked lorries, of railway wagons in sidings and under demurrage, and of the notorious delays that happen at docks. This redundancy was mobilized into instantly responsive action in Chile, taking up much of the slack in a system that is normally, and in any free country, allocated to both preparedness to compete and also pure inefficiency. Moreover, the levels of supply to which folk had become accustomed were already depressed by earlier disruption that could now be corrected. Even so, the achievement was still dramatic, and there is little doubt that as in the previous October, this stoppage would have been successfully handled, in, despite the influx of foreign money to support it, had events run their course. The potency of cybernetic thinking was again being vindicated within the country of Chile. But how could this small, poor country withstand the pressures from outside? I have often been asked why we were not able to stipulate a behavior that which would accommodate that threat. It is like complaining that man, who is supposed to be an adaptive biological system, cannot adapt to a bullet through the heart. On the 8th of September, the president sent an order to the Cybersyn project team. It was the last that they were to receive. The operations room built on the uh, 
Avendia, or sorry, Avenida Santa Maria was to be moved to the inside of the palace, La Moneda. <clears throat> yes, La Moneda. He well understood that none of the existing rooms was large enough to accommodate this apparatus and allocated one of the most traditional and important rooms to be transformed for the purpose. During the next three days, the drawings were completed. On the 11th of September, 1973, I was fulfilling a last engagement in England prior to returning to Chile. It was in the city of London, and I was expounding these matters, and especially the externalities, to an inner group of the Liberal Party, uh, so now the Liberal Democratic Party, uh, as represented in the city. The party leader sat in the front row, following the official proceedings, there was, excuse me, the party leader sat in the front row. Following the official proceedings, there was considerable informal talk, and the gathering broke up slowly. Eventually, I left the building alone. It was to confront a newspaper placard in the street outside. Allende assassinated. All right, uh, let's go to Matt and then to Shane. Damn, heavy section. But, uh, you know, I mean, in, in, in terms of, like, a bright point, you know, like, every time, like, it really gets in, in, into the details, and I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, maybe that's also kind of selective from what Beer's um, uh, 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 talking about, even if he's not consciously doing it, but, you know, or, you know, st stuff I've read, for, including stuff like Eden Medina's book, it all seems like very much like a for want of a nail type thing, you know, there, there's, like, so many near misses and so many things that almost could have not happened that, you know, I find it pretty encouraging. And like the fundamentals, especially, you know, the, you know uh, J J J J Jeremy commented, uh, uh, you know, GIT, you know, just in time in, in, in the chat. And, you know, that, yeah, I was thinking of like, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, this kind of portended, you know, really what was going to happen to the entire logistics industry that, you know, with, with really just, you know, some, you know, low powered 1950s computers in the 70s, like you really could, you know, just like run your industrial economy like, uh, 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 you know. Uh, and yeah, and I think it's also it's it's encouraging for like other like resource starved you know kind of leftist efforts that uh, uh, you know there's so much waste in like the capitalist system because there's so much corruption you know I mean or in, uh, uh, and I'm using uh, beer's term there in terms of like you know activities that don't validate you know what I want to validate you know the uh, uh, big organizations write these big checks to McKinsey to keep money flowing in the same hands. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like if you don't have all this, if you don't have all that parasite load, you know, th th there's a lot you can actually do. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think presently we would sort of have to grapple with this in a somewhat different way because the redundancy that they made use of there uh, by implementing, you know, that sort of cybersyn coordination just in time uh, doesn't really exist to the same extent anymore, right? Like just-in-time methods have become a lot more pervasive uh, and uh, sort of uh, warehousing and stockpiling and redundancy have been cut out of a lot of the system these days. Uh, not to say it doesn't exist, but it doesn't exist to the same extent it did in that sort of mid-century period. Uh, just something to keep in mind uh but yeah shane go ahead yeah I, i'm i'm definitely with matt on the point of this feeling like a for want of a nail thing right that like <clears throat> because like i think this this bit towards the end of um 
that this, this basically worked, except it got smashed by the outside in the very similar way to that a human being will be perfectly like viable and fine and then get shot. They got shot. <laughs> like it, it doesn't seem to have been an intrinsic failing of the, um, of the project. I mean, maybe barring the, I think my, my sort of reserves about the, the sort of um, foundational sort of lack of, of, of the kind of grassroots support that I would want to see. Like, I, I think I, I kind of lean a bit more towards a kind of, the kind of thing McNair brings up of like a strategy of patience and waiting until you really have this mass, vast majority kind of support before striking. Um, but it's still telling that even with that not really going with them, it, it was still so close, except for the outside, except for the other agents, except for the capitalist system. Um, so it's reassuring. It is reassuring that they were really onto something here. Um, I think it's also it's a thing a detail I hadn't noticed before, but like right up until the end, for I end day, Cybersyn is still a going concern. It's mm -hmm. still a central concern. Yeah. He feels the need to bring it in the house right at the end. Um, and that, that's, that's in power, like what, two paragraphs away from, you know, he would tell me directly the extent to which he expected worker control of the social economy. He replied, El Maximo, like maximal. Mm -hmm. Still absolutely dedicated to maximal worker control, still dedicated to this tool that he believed would deliver that. Yes. Um, right, right, right up until the moment they were shot. Um, the, the little bits about um, they're starting to reformulate the sort of cybernetics in terms of, yeah, I mean, it's what, what's alluded to as, as Marxism, right? Like they're fusing the things. I think that would, that would be the um, status quo manuscript that was never published. Mm -hmm. um, which I would still love to get a hold of. Um, but it's interesting even then that like, as, as Beer was coming to these realizations, was starting to turn, start, starting to make attempts at a more cybernetic materialist sort of framework for thinking about things. Like his, his radicalization was still ongoing there. Um, and the, the one last point for me is that the, the, the threat of hijacking Cybersyn from the right, I think is, is very relevant. And like, I mean, maybe we were talking about it last week, but the, the thing of like the Tories doing a Green New Deal sort of thing or whatever, or I mean, pretending to or trying mm -hmm. to, you know, all these, all these caveats that I don't actually believe them when they say that they'll, they'll try it. But it's, it's interesting that the right said that, that like, oh, this is a nice thing if only it didn't have the worker participation part. Yeah. There's all this stuff that they're, they're perfectly willing to entertain just so long as it has no class content. And that's something to always bear in mind here. And for our projects, and especially for the kind of short-term thinking that we can often get roped into where we we have this we have this goal of emancipation and then we think that these three tools will help us get there but then we start to mistake the three tools as if they were the end goal and then somebody go, comes along and says hey look I'll I'll pay you to do tools a and b drop c and drop the worker participation and we can have a you know Landian Bidenist fucking nightmare society without any class power whatsoever. But like we, we would mistake it for being the thing we wanted because of the like slippage, because of the surrogate models. Mm -hmm. It's a thing beer will talk about elsewhere of mistake. Like you, you, you want a, but you'll go, you're going to use B to get there. But then you start mistaking B for a, yeah, as yeah. if B was a representative of a, and you start to think that, well, if I achieve B, I'll achieve a by proxy. You won't now. Like cybernetics is not, emancipation but it is a tool for emancipation and we ha we really have to keep that in mind mm -hmm, mm -hmm. definitely definitely uh matt go ahead 
gig because I mean, you know, uh, 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 yeah, the the um, um, massive system with you know autonomous local units, but also you know higher order level uh, levels of recursion that you know uh, uh, grant them coherence. Like that's what destroyed CyberSyn. You know, I mean, like a uh, uh, capitalism exemplified by you know um, uh, the, 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 the the U.S.'s uh, uh, you know uh, uh, eff- efforts. You know, in the Cold War, I mean, like that was slash is a viable system. You know, maybe it's coming a little bit less viable now, but 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 I mean, you know, yeah, this is a you know, it's it's descriptive. You know, this this is how things operate. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and you know, also agree that yeah, like um uh, um yeah. Uh, 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 you know, not to be all, you know, when all you have is a hammer, but, you know, and suggest like, you know, a Kautskyist mass party is always a solution. And, I, but, you know, I mean, it seems like a little bit more of that, yeah, like would have been useful, um, uh, especially like, um, uh, and I think there were elements of that, like, 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 um, uh, beers not talking about them so much, but like, uh, um, if I remember right from, uh, cybernetic revolutionaries, um, uh, like it does talk about how, like, you know, the, there were like, uh, uh, you know, there was like an ecosystem of organizations that you know were like revolved around the party, but you know maybe it just wasn't as developed as it could have been. I'm, I'm like I, I'm still not sure like the exact relationship with organizations like Mirror because I mean like the, that's the thing that I think ultimately would have saved them. You know I mean if, if they had their iron front, you know if they had you know what Castro you know um, uh, said he should do, you know because the thing is like uh, all you know when you have all those people, it's also a lot of eyes. Like, uh, you know, and, and, and it's also a lot of people who can pass information like, uh, oh, you know, like some, I don't know, uh, like those Venezuelan fishermen who caught those idiot mercenaries, you know, like when you have like a huge chunk of the population that's like looking out for stuff. You know, I mean, it is harder to do these cloak and dagger beats. Yeah, I think, um, you know, he says that there's no way that a, a smaller country can deal with a larger one. Uh, but that's like, that, that's just not really true. Um, <laughs> the way you could deal with it is guerrilla warfare, uh, involves an enormous human cost. Um, and you know, as you can see in examples like Vietnam, like you might come out of it still being screwed by the international financial system into really like kind of losing your autonomy but it isn't um, it's not like that isn't a an option uh, and I guess it just wasn't an option for Allende but um, I think it's an option that needed to be entertained in these circumstances because I think the thing that's telling about what Beer says is like well yeah we expected repression we expected a reduction of civil civil liberties under a military government but we didn't expect the massacres, right? And had they expected the massacres, they might have been more inclined to prepare for a guerrilla war uh, because, I mean, a lot of the people who were in charge of this thing were killed. A lot of the workers were killed. Uh, it's it was worth fighting for their lives, even if more people would have died under a guerrilla warfare campaign. Um, it's so, so they may have uh, underestimated, or they, it seems that they underestimated the brutality that was to ensue. And they expected like, well, we could kind of just go underground, you know, operate outside of the legitimate channels 
wait for the constitutional democracy to be restored and then have another go uh, seems to be the sort of thinking that they they had uh, just was a bit of a or it was a considerable strategic blunder. Um, Shane, uh, sorry, yeah, Shane and then Jeremy. Yeah, I was just going to respond to, to Matt's thing with like, it, it, this is kind of the, the, the Unix model of the, the bizarre, right? That all, many eyes make all bugs shallow. Um, and yeah, like mass party, you, need, you really do need mass participation. Like, and this, this stuff would need to have been built up prior. Like the, the, the mirror universe version of this is where this, the same revolution happens. But all of this cybersyn shit is already integrated from the ground up. Like the, the rising party already has all this stuff going. And every everyone's already accustomed to keeping their keeping their eyes on each other's backs, watching out for fuckery, watching out for interference. Many eyes making all bugs shallow. Um, it's it's mass. Like it really has to be has to be a mass thing, um, rather than like a, oh yeah we're we're, we're going to get Corbin in. he's gonna he's gonna do Cybersyn two point or whatever. Um, so I mean, this is this is the this is the dialectic, right? Like you, you get these demonstrations of possibilities, and you learn the lesson that like you know it, this this needs to we, like we can I think we have validation that the, the thing works, right? This this model for a kind of cybernetic socialism basically works. It just needs to be implemented ground up. Um, it needs to be a big part of whatever comes next, um, and needs to not be kind of trapped in electoral weirdness. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, go ahead. So there's an interesting book about this era written from the point of view of Chilean communists who are skeptical of Unidad Popular called uh, Chile, the Gorillas Are Amongst Us by Gileos Prieto. And it's very, very critical of Allende, kind of saying that, I mean, basically saying outright, if Allende wanted to stay in power, he needed to arm the workers and create, you know, functional cadres of workers that could fight for themselves, organized through the system, that at the point where Allende allies were being assassinated and stuff like that, it should have turned into a people's revolutionary system designed to go after counter-revolutionaries in a serious way. But of course, you know, that was the communist line from like Fidel and others, kind of in a, not that Fidel was a Maoist, but kind of in that quasi-Maoist, not USSR model that was floating around the 60s and 70s. Um, I don't fully agree with the premise of the book, or I'm definitely in the Allende cyber sin camp, but I think it is a very interesting critique to read and also explains why there were people on the Chilean left who were very skeptical of Allende's project. Uh, Shane, go ahead. Yeah, like so. Right at the back of the chapter here, we get this um, this second strike, the second Grimio strike, um, which Cybersyn or the the sort of elemental units Cybersyn respond to with a plumb again, right? Like it just, the, the 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 nervous system sp spins into into life and, and deals with this problem. But ima imagine a different timeline in which, yeah, we get what Jeremy described, right? Like you get um, 
the, the cyber sin coordinates people's militias doing preemptive strikes against enemies and, you know, maneuvering ad adaptively and actively to route around what they predict is going to come. Um, and that, that, that nervous system would work, you know, it would be very different. Like in, it, it's, it's, it, nervous system coordinating against a trucker strike is different in substance from coordinating against um, class enemies and, and the military. But in form, they're identical. They're, it's, the same, it's the same thing, right? And I, I think you would prefer to see that other mirror universe where that happens. And they, they go active, they go on the aggressive. But again, that would have required the people's militias to be present in the first place, et cetera, et cetera. So that's worth imagining, right? So you, this coordination system, not just being a defense against reaction, but actively squashing reaction before it can even happen. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talk about people's militias these days, one of the major problems that um, the concept encounters is that, like, yeah, like we could sort of get together and train each other how to fire firearms and that kind of thing, but we wouldn't be very well coordinated and therefore useless. I mean, you look at what has happened in the war between Armenia and Azerbaijan and you get a sort of image of what warfare is going to be like in this century, right? It's going to be, it's not going to be fighters with rifles taking each other on for the most part. It's going to be, drones falling out of the sky and killing you without even the slightest hint that you are in danger. Like the, the, the way in which warfare is going to just be incredibly disorienting and, um, not really, uh, intuitive or tractable in the way that, uh, it has been in the past uh, because it be, it will become just incredibly mechanized and autonomized um, <clears throat> means that like if you have an uncoordinated people's militia, they're not going to be able to do shit uh, in the situation they were in here in Chile. Obviously, it's a different phase of warfare where guerrilla warfare was kind of at its height, I guess. Uh, but um you know, they could have made use of their coordinating resources. They could have made use of military expertise. If the top general in the country was Allende's good friend, you know, they could have helped train up people. They could have made that more of a viable strategy than it is for us currently. Because for us currently, it's like, I mean, yeah, maybe learning how to use firearms is good, but don't expect it's going to save you because you need a pretty serious organization to be able to actually fight. Uh, and we don't seem to have the means to do that right now. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, I, I think that it's, it's important to note the sort of like institutional advantages they had prior to the, the coup that could have helped them build a more viable uh, people's militia organization. Uh, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, I think this is all kind of pointing to, you know, again, to get back to sort of the core cybernetics principles that that Beard lays out, you know, just like not having that, not having the requisite variety in the system by shutting out the people at the base who are able to provide that variety when it comes to a like military perspective or not perspective, but military like 
tactical, uh, like, I don't know, like military tactics, I guess, or just like uh, a infantry type force. Um, so, you know, I think there is definitely something to that. And, and it's worth asking the question of like, why is it that so few leftists, um, more so now, I guess, than, than at that time, because there were like very recent memories of like things like Fidel and other revolutions where they did, they did uh, take this to, into account, obviously not from largely a cybernetic perspective, but still like they, they allowed for that, that variety to be in their like party or in their organizations that, that led to revolutions. But uh, so it's, it's, I think it's worth thinking about why it is that, that we're so reluctant to allow that variety into our organizations. I mean, I think first, like there's some really obvious ones, which is that like it, it, it um, invites really harsh repression and uh, counter reaction, which is like deadly, you know? Uh, and so that's certainly, there's uh, some reasons to not like jump into that without having like this mass mass base existing. But it's definitely worth thinking about ways to to incorporate that in a in a more, I mean, like like you you mentioned about like they could have used their their control um, mechanisms to to bring something like this into into their uh, structures, and we don't have those control mechanisms uh, at least in most places. Well, yeah, I would say pretty much everywhere, and when it comes to the, the left, um, but I, I would also I also just want to add that like what Jeremy said is really true. Like, you know, you can say, and part of me agrees, part of me wants to agree that like, yeah, you know, warfare has changed drones and like mechanized uh, bombings and everything like change the, what the battlefield looks like in the scope of the battlefield. But at the end of the day, you know, you need a system one, right? You need the, the boots on the ground. You need the people actually interacting with the people who you're trying to conquer or to kill. Mm -hmm. uh, if you actually want to, if, if that is actually your, your outcome and, and that you're, you know, or that is actually your uh, goal and not just blow up these things that cost millions of dollars to buy and, and create uh, so that you can keep using the money, the money that the military is provided as ways to line your pockets and weapon manufacturers pockets. So, you know, I think, I think it's worth considering that. And, and also just like, you know, those drone operators live somewhere, those drones have to be built somewhere, those weapons have to be built somewhere, and, and those are all points of of rupture that can be targeted if if it gets to the point where like the US is drone striking its own civil like civilians on US soil or or some other country is doing the same thing. Well, I guess it would have to be the US because they're mostly built in the US, right? Uh they're built all over the world at this point. The Russians yeah. have drones, the Chinese are building swarm launchers uh in this most recent combat uh that was seen in armenia and azerbaijan or specifically in armenia uh the drones were israeli uh in manufacture um and you look at like what happened in uh the uh sort of the end of the islamic state uh, in the Syrian conflict and they were just kind of like buying walmart drones and putting bombs on them uh, so that's going to be a common occurrence in warfare these days. Uh, it's not certainly not going to be as effective as drones that fly way higher up in the sky are basically impossible to spot and also don't make any sound until they kill you. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's still in a, in a city environment. They're effective enough. Uh, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, like, you know, look at what they were able to do with Cybersyn. Like, what if their war college launched a project of similar of a similar type in order to understand the tactics and strategy needed to fight a people's war, to arm the right people, to create the right forms of organization. Like they could have had a project like that, uh, which, you know, might have borne some fruit. Uh, anyway, I, I, I don't mean to armchair quarterback this, but it, 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 you know, you see what was done in the Ministry of Economics. You know, what about in the Ministry of Defense or the War Ministry or whatever it was at the time? Uh, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking drones. I mean, uh, yeah. After like the initial hump, I mean, kind of like computers the, the, the themselves. Actually, I mean, like dr drones are like a weirdly democratizing technology. Like, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. There, there's a lot of analysts who say that, like, you know, like the move toward drone tech is is actually not good for superpowers because you know, like, instead of having this like massive. Uh, uh, ordeal that having an air force of piloted fighters is, you know, I mean, you can be kind of effective, you know, with really just like off the shelf uh, uh, components. I mean, uh, Turkey has their own domestic uh, drone um, uh, uh, thing now that they spun up in like a couple of years. Like, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the move to drone warfare, I, I think, is actually kind of like a net loss. For, like, even if they've got like the best in Chinese drones right now, you know, um, uh, uh, yeah, not, not, not necessarily like good for, uh, uh, you know, Uncle Sam, which is good. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, I, uh, it's it's certainly a, a democratizing force, uh, like the effect it has on, um, <laughs> you know, the the viability of tanks, the viability of large navies. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty effective at neutralizing these things. And it's also really horrifying. Uh, it's pretty effective at neutralizing infantry too. So, you know, I, I, I think it just, it, it's just going to be a thing that's analogous to like when major like artillery was introduced in the civil war or the first world war and people just couldn't grapple with it because it was so alien to what they thought war was. Uh, I think we're going to go through a similar kind of experience with drones and democratizing though it may be, it's still going to kill a hell of a lot of people. Um, yeah. Uh, Shane, go ahead. I was going to crack a joke that pulled on a different sort of technology for its analogy, but that the, you know, God made people, but the DJI Phantom made them equal. <laughs> yeah. We have a new Sam Colt on the scene, you know, with with drones, which has its horrifying implications. But yeah, 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 indeed. Um, well, uh, so I mean, I think that kind of wraps up our discussion about this this terminal period of the uh, revolution. Um, we're going to get into the post-mortem uh, theorizing in the next chapter. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead. Yeah, I just like to say about the next chapter that Prospectus is a tough chapter. It took me three reads to understand what he was saying. But I absolutely think that putting this information in the hands of communists is incredibly powerful stuff. Like, 
what we are going to see is beer posing questions that we absolutely have to answer, which he does not fully answer, but he poses questions that will have to be answered if we are going to change the system. And a lot of it is really technical. A lot of it did not make sense at a first pass, but I think it ends up being not only the most powerful chapter in the book, but a reason to read the book. Like, I think the information in Prospectus is a very powerful reason to read the entire book. Yeah, uh, I think we've, we've all been, I think we've all been excited about it. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Jeremy, can you mute yourself? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think we've all been excited about this chapter the entire time that we've been reading this book. So uh, I think we're all excited to get into it, uh, even though it's 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 going to be difficult. Uh, I'm interested to see what those questions are, how they're posed, and uh, use that as sort of a future platform for discussion. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for uh, participating on this uh, Turkey Day in America. Um, and, uh, uh, have a good week and I will see you next time for, uh, the, uh, big conclusion finale to Brain of the Firm, uh, at least the first part of many of that. <laughs> Thanks everyone. It's been wonderful. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye.